how can people become parents, right? You mentioned the insemination through donor. And uh, so there's different ways of getting donors. So it's a known donor or anonymous donor. Okay, so there's pros and cons of each. If you're in a same-sex relationship, it's not like you can just decide to have a baby. You have to be super intentional, and there are ways to do it. And so today we want to give you highlights on how to do this, especially for the ladies out there, just because we see that more often. Um, although we do get surrogates that come into the clinic for pre- and post-embryo transfer treatments for the uh, intended parents that are male same-sex couples. But um, to speak more to trying to conceive if you're in same-sex couple them, it requires effort. And I, I always say, you know, the the equation of infertility, it's like you're infertile just by the way of lacking sperm or lacking egg, which is a technical problem. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have a physical problem. And the problem when I see that people go to the fertility clinic, sometimes they walk away feeling like I am infertile as a human being, which is a lot of times not true at all. Does that make sense to you, Tanya, what I'm saying here? For sure. And then in some cases, unfortunately, they do learn that they have subfertility. So I've also seen that where they yes. kind of think, okay, well, my only obstacle is that I don't have so we're going to go. It's going to be easy. You know, we can do intrauterine insemination where they take the sperm and they, you know, wash it and then insert it. And, um, you know, and then they find out that they actually have clinical like medical conditions like polycystic ovary syndrome or endometriosis, which could Im be impacting the time to conceive, which... Yes. And so I think this is a really, really great point to be had. So if you're watching, by the way, thank you for tuning in. And secondly, if you're not in a place of, I want to have a baby now, it would be really great just to get your baseline fertility to see where you're at and see to see if the, you actually have some challenges that you might want to address. And you can see someone like Dr. Tanya Wild, who's a naturopathic doctor. You can go for acupuncture for with someone like me, right? Like, there's yeah, just can, lots of things that you can do. You can look at basic things like how are your menstrual cycles? Are you ovulating? Are you menstruating regularly? You can look at your anti-malarian hormone to check for ovary reserve. So, you know, between an acupuncturist and naturopathic doctor on your village, you can find out a lot of information through clinical symptoms and blood work just to kind of get a baseline. And then we can kind of guide you sooner depending on your health status to fertility clinics sooner if it's in your future and you're thinking, you know what, let's prep ahead and be proactive. Yeah. And then so it's about leaving a healthy life up until then. And of course, when you're trying, you want to lead as healthy of a life as possible. So we do see people being proactive. So for example, we'll see people that will do acupuncture on a monthly basis. Because to me, actually, acupuncture is a way of life because it treats um, in, in the past... It's about being proactive. So back in the days of the emperor, the physician, the Chinese physician, was paid when the emperor was well and not when he was sick. So similarly for, you know, trying to keep your fertility health um, strong, 
then you might want to do something like this as a pro- with proactive measures with whatever you're doing. Well, and then when you're working on your egg quality, you're working on not just improving your potential to conceive, but your quality of life because your hormones are healthier. So you're doing a lot for yourself. You know, people, I read this uh, article the other day and it was, uh, you know, how people really prioritize as number one, no matter where we live in the world, family health. So you and your family need to take care of you know, you yourselves, like each other, I should say, and you you rank that highest, even though in our Western kind of culture, we say we're selfish and we take care of ourselves. We really need to work on that more so that we can then have that energy to take care of each other and take care of children eventually in the that's future. In the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really great. I mean, I always say our mission at Alive, I mean, Tina, Tanya is part of our Alive team. It's like our mission is not just to take care of the individual in front of us, but really the health of the next generation, which involves you being responsible for yourself for now and into the future. Because once you have a kid, we want you to stick around for a very long time. So back to how can people become parents, right? You mentioned the insemination through donor. And uh, so there's different ways of getting donors. So it's a known donor or anonymous donor. I covered in my book, Pathways to Pregnancy, but we'll bring it up a little bit. Okay, so there's pros and cons of each, but I'll tell you one thing for sure. It's way, way, way more work if you use a a donor that is a known donor when you go to the fertility clinic because they have to be tested and typically there's like a six-month wait uh, with a known donor. When you have a donor that is through a sperm bank, so these like vials of sperm ready to go, they've already been pre-tested. So they're literally ready to go as soon as you buy it. So that's one main difference because you have to wait on the timing, right? And then secondly, you know, there you need to think more than just about the donor sperm. You have to look at what does that look like in the future if you have a person that you know is there going to, you know, do you want this person to be involved with child rearing or child care? Like how much does this person participate or do you not want that at all? Anyway, this is really not the topic of the book because we're looking at how to get pregnant, but it's something that you want to discuss with probably a therapist of some sort to talk about all these things that you don't even consider. Um, When it comes to IUI, intrauterine insemination, we can do that at home or at a fertility clinic. Typically, fertility clinics don't recommend you to do it at home with like a turkey baster that's not sterile. <laughs> You're going to say something, I think, before I was... No, I was yeah. I was going to say, I mean, I, I, I think that it's important that if you are going to use something like a turkey baster, that the fertility clinic would have provided that for you and then screened your part, like the donor uh, with you know, for sexually transmitted diseases to be sure that you are inseminating um, with, and you're, you're going to stay healthy doing so. So no matter how much you think you know somebody, you don't know viruses and bacteria and how they work, like they're hidden. So right. it's really important to do those screenings, no matter how awkward the conversation. I think it is better to do it through a fertility clinic because there's also, like you were saying, legal obligations or we're working out through like logistics around like how much involvement and you know, avoid uh, involving lawyers. It seems very um, harmless now, but then later there could be issues around, you know, um, 
who's the parent or whatever. You know what I mean? Like the, the how much involvement they're allowed to have and that kind of stuff. So right. like having it all up front, written out, legal paper is really important. So even though you said, oh, it's a topic to be discussed later, I think it's a really important topic because in in a world where you can have more of a village, that's great, but it has to be defined ahead of time. Yeah, oh, 100%. I have a couple that was, it was a really beautiful scenario. Their their donor was a, a out west. And so every time they would do the insemination, they'd have to fly over there. It was a big chore, but you know it worked. And so is that person involved? Yes, but not on the day-to-day. They know who the donor is and they'll have a visit, but you know they're not the parent, right? right. So it's worked out in that way. But then other people's like, no way, I don't want that in my life. <laughs> yeah, and right? it's kind of nice to be anonymous on the other hand too, because like, to have an anonymous donor, because then you can, let's say in the case of uh, two women, and let's say you, you, you have to choose who's going to be carrying the baby. And let's say I was going to be carrying the baby and I wanted to have the, um, you know, my, uh, let's say I was using, like, there's just so many ways to do it. I could use my own eggs or I could use my partner's eggs. And then um, I could be the one to carry it, but I could use my partner's eggs if we're doing IVF and then have embryos need. So that's one way of doing it. And then, but I could use my heritage, right? So there's like ways to make it so that you're both really involved. And I had uh, one of my besties that uh, did that yeah so she carried the baby then she used her wife's eggs and then they used sperm that was more her background culturally so then you can choose with an anonymous donor that'd be a lot more complicated if it was uh if you're if you're wanting um an uh a known donor to find somebody who's your background so it kind of gives you that opportunity mm-hmm. yeah and and of course i have seen it where it's um one person that's carrying, um, not using her eggs, but the partner's brother's sperm. Right. Right. So that's there's so many different super iterations. Cool. Right. Because there's yeah. so many, so many options. That would be wonderful. Because then you now have uh, basically it's your baby, but your DNA yes. is involved. So yes, such a great idea. Yes and no. Again, it really depends on the family dynamics. If you don't have a brother that you get along with, maybe not the best idea. (laughs) Right. So you have to work all the logistics out ahead of time. But we're just kind of stating the the options. And, you know, I don't think you'd be asking a brother, you know, like you definitely want to be close to that brother or have it, even if you're close, write it down all the specifications legally because things change. Yeah as time goes on. So there are, by the way, there are very specific lawyers that do this for a living like all day long. So you'd want to go to a fertility lawyer. They deal with all these kinds of issues. And um, so we mentioned earlier, so I do want to address this. So same-sex male couples that will use, obviously need someone else's eggs. And most of the time what I've seen is that the people that donate their eggs are different than the people that carry so the surrogate person is um, different yeah. and not donating their eggs. I think that makes sense because if I was going to be a surrogate, it would be very hard for me to use my own eggs and then at least that baby now to another family because it's my own DNA. I would struggle with that. I'd be okay with maybe sharing my eggs, um, let somebody else carry the baby because there's this 
change. But, you know, people do that and there's both ways. So you would definitely... Right? That's a great Does insight. That That's a great insight because I've always wondered. We see a lot of surrogate women okay. and I love their stories. Like some of the people we see have carried like yeah. three, four, five times. And by the way, this right. comes true whether you're um, same sex or not and just using a surrogate. There's a fear of who is this person? Can I, can I trust that person? Maybe they're like a little off, right? But I tell you, the people that we meet, Thank yeah, we are them. solid citizens. So beautiful. Salt yeah. of the earth. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, they have one, the last one I saw, she had been a surrogate like six times. It just blows me away right. that they would do this, like being this yeah. vessel of love. They're servicing for... their body so that they can help families who are growing their family. How beautiful is that? Yeah, very purposeful. So there are so many options and I hope this is helpful. And is there anything else that we want to cover? Like, so the other thing I would say is surrogacy can be some, like you can also have two women and the woman who wants to carry or mo- maybe neither woman can carry for whatever reason. Uh, so they have might need surrogacy. No, I'm just saying that it might be like yes. if they have big fibroids or if there's issues uh, with, you know, like let's say they do find out that there's um, clinical um, conditions so that so it's not just same sex men. And then what about adopting or fostering? Yes, or of course. Go there. Yeah. yeah. Or donor yeah. embryos. Like you can also, you know, adopt an embryo. Right. Yes, that is there for sure. And not, like I know we're speaking to this like it's off the cuff and it's easy. And we know that this journey is can be very emotional. Oh, yeah. And it is tough trying to figure out which way, you, which direction you go, right? Like it's like you go into this restaurant and there's like, a zillion things on the menu and it's hard to figure out which one you want to do, <laughs> which one you want to choose. And just know that like it can be tough. And sometimes I'm going to address this um, because oftentimes, well, I don't know how often, but I see this a lot in clinic. So you'll have a, a woman that is older than the other woman. And, you know, maybe the older person goes to the fertility clinic, gets tested, and then it may be they're considered subfertile, is what you would call it, Tanya. And the doctor may say, well, why don't you try instead, like turning to the younger partner? And I just think that is so dismissive of the person. That's like, we, we need to honor the journey of each person because it's like you have this visualization of how things, the pregnancy will go, even in a same-sex relationship. Right. right. Yes, because you can take turns, for example, despite the age being the one to carry the baby. And it there is something special. Uh, a lot of women, you know, they have this like instinctual want or urge to carry the baby, regardless of if it's an embryo drawn or if it's their own egg, if it's the partner's egg. So, you know, just honoring that that need to satisfy that despite what, you know, you're told if there's a 35-year-old and a 38-year-old. So don't kind of just take that dismissal, find out what your options really are. And so to conclude though, I, we do want to say again that yes, there may be um, the suboptimal piece, but that does not preclude you and have you actually be infertile, right? Right. And there are a lot of things we can do to help you. We can support you with nutrition, as we were mentioning earlier, get like take care of you as a family, as an individual and work on your egg quality, nutrition and get acupuncture to improve circulation to the ovaries. 
and or to the uterus to help with implantation, depending on what kind of uh, procedures you're going through. We can guide you through that, you know, a little more closely. We work very well with uh, some local Ontario fertility clinics. So we are here for you. If this has been helpful, please subscribe and share so that other people will know and find out about our podcast and YouTube channel so that you can get all the information you need and make an informed choice.